It's the world's leading preventable cause of death. It's a major factor in four out of the five leading causes of death. Heart disease, cancer, lung disease and stroke. It causes about a third of heart disease and cancer and most emphysema. I'm talking about smoking. Yes, rates of smoking have been going down in Australia in recent decades, but if you thought that the battle against tobacco has been fought and won, you'd be wrong. Dead wrong. And if you're a non-smoker, thinking that this issue has nothing to do with you, you need to listen up and think again. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. I'm here with Suvi Mahonen, uh, who wrote a cracker of an article in this month's Signs of the Times magazine, Smoking Out Big Tobacco. Thanks for joining us, Suvi. Oh, absolute, my absolute pleasure, Kent. Thank you so much for having me. And I might jump in there and say that your article, Death Trade, was also extremely well crafted and, and really hit home um, just how bad this problem is. So thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity to chat with you today. Well, there you go. We, we can congratulate each other. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're both wonderful. And yeah, this month, uh, the month of May, uh, does conclude with World No Tobacco Day mm. on, on May the 31st. So hence our, our focus on, on tobacco and tobacco-related issues in, in this month's uh, Signs of the Times. But what I was really impressed with, Suvi, is that you uh, got hold of Dr. Bronwyn King and, and heard some of her story as a part of, of your article. Would you be able to tell us a, a little bit about Dr. Bronwyn King? Yeah, she's, she's absolutely amazing. Like, her story was really, really inspirational. I really enjoyed speaking to her. Um, I actually spoke to her a couple of times. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. So she basically discovered this problem when it was, it was about 2010, and she just happened to be speaking to one of her finance advisors uh, for her superannuation fund, mm -hmm. which was ironically called Health Super. Yeah. And she discovered that they were investing in tobacco, which is something she didn't know because um, investing in tobacco gives you quite good financial returns, unfortunately. Um, oh, okay. But but she didn't know this, and and it was it was a big affront to her um, because she's actually a radiation oncologist, so obviously she has seen so many problems with people coming in with lung cancer, you know, with tobacco or other tobacco-related cancers. So. Um, she was just really shocked when she found out that her own superannuation fund, which looks after a lot of hospital workers, was investing in tobaccos. It's sort of <laughs> tragically ironic, isn't it, really? Oh, I mean, to, yeah. to, to think that here she is, you know, by day, mm. they're, you know, focusing on lung cancer mm. as, as a physician, there by the side of people dying from tobacco-related illnesses mm. and collecting her paycheck for doing so, and then 9% of that, at least, is going to a super fund, which is investing the money in big tobacco. Yeah, exactly. It's like they're making her job harder because, you know, like inadvertently those tobacco companies are causing deaths, so many deaths of people, and, and she's dealing with those people that are suffering the effects of that. So, yeah, it was absolute terrible irony, and it, yeah. it really struck her. Mm. So did, did it strike you, Suvi? Did it, did it sort of cause you to think, huh, which super fund am I with? How am I, are my investments going? And It really did. Like, I checked our superannuation fund immediately, and thankfully, um, because my husband actually is a doctor as well, um, thankfully, um, we're all good. 
and now Health Super is all good too, thanks to um, thanks to the work of Bronwyn King. Because as soon as she found this out, she basically went into action. Because you know she's a really remarkable lady. Like she just couldn't sort of sit there and and have this knowledge without actually doing something about this. So mm. she um she gathered because she actually worked for um the Peter McCallum Cancer Institute. Yeah. So she got the CEO, Craig Bennett, and she basically requested a meeting with Health Super as soon as possible and called on the executives and investment team. And look, it just took so much lobbying, but she she finally got them to divest in tobacco. And that's just the beginning of her story. But even that was a huge achievement because Health Super is a massive fund. Yeah, so. it, it is. But, and, and you're right. Not only did she do that, but it seems like she just couldn't rest on her laurels when she realised, you know, goodness me, there are what, you know, hundreds of super funds around Australia, not to mention around the world that are doing something similar and rather than sitting there like a lot of us would have thinking this is all too big this is all too hard she she got busy oh that's exactly right like it's just amazing and that's the funny thing for for an activist like Bronwyn King obviously you know you like sort of you win the battle with health super but instead of sitting around and thinking oh yeah like you said this is great you know I've sort of won it was like oh actually if I can change one superannuation fund why not other financial institutions as well? So it was kind of like that victory was sort of a double-edged sword because it was absolutely fantastic, but it just opened the door to, to basically her life's work now. Like, she, she devotes most of her time to this, and she did, does still work as a radiation oncologist as well, but, I mean, she has set up now tobacco-free portfolios, but it's certainly not funded very well, and it's um, basically largely a labour of love for her, but she's really devoting her life to this now because she's still got a lot of work to do even though she's done remarkable things. Well, well she has. I mean, you, you said in your article, Suvi, that Australia has about 344 yep. non, non-self-managed super funds mm. and yep. she has managed to convince 41 of those yep. to divest from tobacco, which is like about 15%. I mean, that's a for one sort of woman, you know, on this yep. one woman campaign, that is incredible. But that still it leaves sure the other, you know, 85% of super funds yet to be um, harangued, I guess. And, you know, um, she hasn't stopped here in Australia. I mean, the absolutely remarkable thing is she doesn't stop at anyone. You know, she lobbies the world's biggest financial institution. Just the absolute peak of, of last year's sort of wins was convincing PNB Paribus, it's actually the world's seventh largest bank, the world's seventh largest bank. It's wow. a huge organisation. Um, and she did this, you know, like she emails the CEO, she, she just keeps at them and keeps at them. And, and in one, um, at one point she said, you know, I never take no for an answer. I just see it as not yet. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so she she will stop at nothing. She's really doing good work. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it really strikes me, Sylvie, that in some ways the, the time is right for this conversation, in Australia especially. You know, we, we currently have this Royal Commission into the financial services and, and banking industry, yeah, and yeah. a lot of those guys are ending up with serious egg on their face, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, putting profits and, and shareholders be, before ethics and their customers. And I just really hope that the moment is right for them to look at these sorts of issues too. It's just incredible. And, 
You know, a lot of people in um, sort of Western countries think we're winning the war on tobacco and because there has been a significant drop, mm. um, like, you know, in, in a lot of first world countries with the smoking rates. But it's very interesting that that seems to have plateaued, at least in Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I spoke to um, a university um, professor at the New South Wales School of Public Health and Community Medicine. And so that's actually really alarming. And what Bronwyn King actually told me, this is a very good point. She said, well, that's fine that our smoking rates are dropping, but what our young people are doing is on their gap years, they travel to places like Indonesia. You focused on Indonesia in your article. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they go to go on safari in Africa and um, they go to all these exciting places. And guess what? Over there, the smoking rate is massively high. They're over there for a year, travelling, enjoying it. You know, they sort of get that culture imbued into them. They might take up smoking over there and then they come home and they're addicted because nicotine, all you need is a few hits of that and you're addicted, you know, and it's designed that way. So that's the danger. Our young people are are travelling and because we've got such a global culture now, you Mm. know, it's it's such an open world. Yeah, boy, I honestly never really thought of that. So, Mm. So obviously over the last, few years. I remember when I was a kid, you know, there used to be tobacco advertising in sport and you'd see billboards up around the place and that just stopped in in the 80s and that seemed to be the first of a, of a number of changes that has been, you know, very closely related to a, a decrease in, in smoking rates in Australia. And in fact, the international community has looked at us in Australia and said, what you guys are doing is leading the way and the rest of the world needs to take notice of what, at what Australia is doing and basically do the same. So uh, apart from tobacco advertising, reducing that, what are the other key strategies that we've seen put into place in Australia that has achieved this, that perhaps the rest of the world should be taking on? The plain packaging has, um, like, that was interesting. One article I read um, just the other night on this issue did say that they they did some research or something after that initiative was brought in. Mm. Um, The government does this routinely, so when they bring in some new new initiative like that, they'll actually then review it, I think, to see the effectiveness of it. it. And it was determined that, yes, the plain packaging laws and the fact that now the tobacco, the boxes that you buy cigarettes in have got those health warnings and those graphic pictures, yeah. they actually have made a difference. So I think if other countries do adopt those. But, of course, then reading the Philip Morris files um, that Reuters put out, mm. um, of course, they're really fighting back against that because they know that that's effective. They, they know that it's, it's not as nice to buy a box of cigarettes with a graphic photo of someone's throat ravaged with a big cancerous lump or yeah, tumour there. Yeah, funny that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's an initiative that's really helped. Mm. And I think um, I think just making it more expensive, higher taxes on cigarettes. Okay. And, and I guess you probably would have noticed that there like on the Gold Coast where you are, it's a big tourism area. And, uh, you know, several years back when uh, we started bringing in all around Australia in various states, you know, these laws that smoking would now not be in restaurants or bars or or even yeah, poker that, machines yeah. there, that would have been a massive battle in, in the Gold Coast, I imagine. Oh, yeah, definitely on the Gold Coast. It would have been a huge battle because we we get so many overseas visitors and even apartment living. It's really interesting, like, because in Australia and across the world too, we're moving into apartments. The, the trend is to sort of um, make our cities more compact to reduce urban sprawl. And so more and more of us are living in apartments. A new battle that that is emerging now is whether or not you can smoke on your private balconies Mm -hmm. because when you're in an apartment building like we are that really impacts if you're not a smoker so if if our neighbours downstairs 
smoke on their balcony, that just drifts up to our balcony and really, really affects us because it's very close quarters. So yeah. that's something new that's just come coming through and, and that's being fought. You know, the people that want to ban smoking on private balconies are very passionate about that issue. But um, at this point... I think the people that want to smoke on their private balconies are winning that that war. But I I can see that that's going to change too because it really impacts on people that secondhand smoke. You know, yeah. I mean it can it can be deadly. Like like you said in your article, it can actually be deadly mm. um, for for children. It's a kind of tricky um, balance of rights, isn't it? You know, should we yeah. have the right to be able to do something that is basically you know, going to make us sick and and very likely kill us. And that that's what it comes down to. And it's a tough one. I mean, on one side, you can say, well, you know, I've got my right to live my life the, the way I choose. And that seems fair enough. But yeah. then you think, well, yeah, there is the, like you mentioned, the secondhand smoke issue. But then there's the issue, well, all of us are paying taxes and then have to, you know, pick up the tab for all these tobacco-related illnesses, you know, in hospitals and going through the health system. But I guess if we start thinking like that, you know, playing the blame game like that, I mean, who who knows where it's going to lead? You know, if someone's sick, you know, surely they, they just need help. It's a, it's a tough one. It is, it is a real tough one. I, it is a massive tough one. I mean, I mean, what do you do? I guess... I guess if you really boil that down to it, you could think, well, you know, I guess if you're going to go down the rights path, then, um, you know, should you be allowed to grow a nicotine plant in your backyard and just sort of use it um, mm. for your own uses? Mm. A tobacco um, plant. You know, because that, because, or a tobacco plant, sorry. <laughs> because, yeah, because then, you know, I, I think it's basically that. If you're allowed to do that, that would be a lot less harmful, I'm sure, than these massive companies that are sort of pushing. So I think it's the advertisement. I think it's these companies pushing cigarette smoke. Because can you imagine if you were allowed to grow a tobacco plant in mm. your own backyard mm-hmm. and you thought, okay, everyone's got the right to grow a plant and if they want to use that themselves, they can. Can you see teenagers bothering to garden <laughs> in their backyard, plant a tobacco tree, wait for it to grow. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, a, a yeah. completely different culture. Whereas now as a teenager, you just walk out there, tobacco companies are just pushing these cigarettes on these teenagers. It's so cool to smoke. All the advertising, it's so highly addictive. Um, I think I think that's where you really got to got to look at it. You know, these, yeah. it's these big companies that are pushing this this product that, that literally kills people. Yeah, sure. And I mean, you, you mentioned in, in your article that the danger of becoming, you know, judgmental towards smokers. Um, yeah. in, in your article, you, you talk about, you know, crossing the street um, in the company of a young woman who's smoking. And of course, you know, the, again, the, you know, the side stream smoke is not a nice smell if, it, if it's, you know, not something you're, you're used to. And it's yeah. very easy to look down on smokers. And I think smokers feel that. They feel the, <laughs> you know, the social disapproval, you know, slowly ratcheting up and, and they resent it to a certain point. And, and I, I do wonder how it is that the, you know, our social disapproval of smokers who are basically in a lot of ways are the victims of, mm, oh, of, absolutely. Yeah, of, sure, right? yeah, yeah, of tobacco rather than the people who are peddling it. I mean, f- for example, our, our two, you know, major supermarkets, Coles and Woolworths, yeah. are, are responsible for a huge slab, if, if not the majority, I, I believe, of cigarette sales in this country. Who's, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and then they're the same companies that are partnering, you know, with the Cancer Council, for example, yeah. for, you know, for, for Daffodil Day every year. I mean, where's the outrage? Where's the social disapproval about that? That's true. That's a really good point, Kent, because imagine if coal and Woolworths, if, imagine if just those two huge corporations stopped selling cigarettes. Mm. Well, some know. supermarkets overseas have made that move. 
Oh, that's really interesting. That, mm. You must have found that in your research. I, I hadn't come across that, but that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you told me that because that's a positive move. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I guess what, what I do find interesting, though, is that, you know, since, um, you know, you mentioned the plain packaging laws that came mm. in, in Australia a few years back, you know, courtesy of uh, Nicola Roxon, who was the health minister at the time, that has been, a, you know, a roaring success in terms of bringing down smoking rates. But I tell you what, the tobacco industry fought that tooth and nail through through our legal system, through internet, the international legal system, and it's only in the last year or so that the you know the final uh, rulings have come down on that, and it it has been you know Australia won big tobacco nil. It worries me though because I think if if the tobacco companies are willing to go to that sort of extent to push yeah. back on something that is actually that effective for saving lives. I mean, Australia has the, you know, we've got the money to fight those sort of legal battles. But what about yeah. a, a poor country in Southeast Asia or Africa? That's, that's really what worries me. And that's what's so upsetting about the whole thing. The more you look into this, the more, the more you just look. I, I don't know how they go to sleep at night, some of these people that make these decisions, honestly, because they're, they're so taking advantage of poor countries like these small African countries, they're, you know, because they don't have the money like Australia does to have to enforce these stricter tobacco laws. And they're just going into these countries and just completely taking advantage of lax tobacco laws. And you mentioned that in Australia you can't now advertise it um, Tobacco companies can't advertise at sporting events, mm-hmm. but they're doing that in Indonesia. Like um, they're doing that in other countries. Yeah. You know, they've um, like your your article I think mentioned, or or another article related to that small baby's death from secondhand cigarettes. Yeah, smoke, yeah, poor, poor little that, Hafiz, that a whole yeah. town is advertising for tobacco. Mm-hmm. The whole town has got billboards all over it advertising yes. for tobacco. It's it's a community mural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, it's which, terrible. Which which is even worse in in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's absolutely unbelievable. And I'd really like to know if the CEOs of Philip Morris, I wonder if they smoke themselves. <laughs> that's a very good question. Mm, something tells me they probably don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, look, quietly confident. For, for, for their sake, I, I hope they don't, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I know. I know. We shouldn't be judgmental about anybody. I do realise <laughs> that. It, it's just such a shame. It, you know, it, that. it, it is a tough one, yeah. So mm. you're, you're a parent, Suvi. I mean, I, I'm a parent. Oh. And that does come through in your writing quite often. You know, you, you obviously have a very close relationship with your daughter and, and really, oh, you know, desperately want, want the best for her. What, oh, what, what sort of messages, uh, I mean, or is she too young? I mean, are you giving her any messages about smoking and tobacco at, at this stage in her life? Well, well, she's almost five. Mm-hmm. Look, she's getting really cluey. I mean, you know, because because she watches her iPad sometimes, probably a little bit too much. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but she she does have an iPad and all of that sort of stuff. So so she is getting very cluey. She does see shows, but thankfully, obviously in Australia, like they wouldn't, they do not have, or at least I have not seen anything, um, anything cigarette related or tobacco related in any of the children's shows. Mm-hmm. Obviously, so yeah. I don't. I don't think so. She's never she's never mentioned smoking. My husband and I don't smoke, so mm. um, it ha- it hasn't come up yet, to be honest, in conversation. So far, it's been more sort of focusing on trying to teach her good eating habits. You know, the importance of eating um, fresh fruit and vegetables and and exercise. So we've sort of been focusing on that. So to be honest, that conversation hasn't come up yet. But yeah, okay. Um, look, I'm sure it will. And it was interesting. I actually asked um, Bronwyn. 
king because she's a parent too of, of small children and I said, you know, what's your advice? And she said, look, um, you certainly should sort of educate young children and, you know, about the dangers of smoking. Yeah. But she says another really good, good thing is to really focus on engaging them in sports, um, healthy eating, because she says, you know, if kids are in a sporting culture, there's actually less room to sort of pick up smoking. Because sure. can you imagine, you know, if your kids are in a sporting team or whatever and they're trying to do really well, um, they've sort of got a healthy focus there. So... Um, that's sort of her advice. The fact is, and I've found this in Australia, that, that smokers in Australia tend to be incredibly considerate people and um, mm. they have, to a, to a large extent, you know, humbly accepted you know, their role as the, the pariahs of society and will go away from everyone else and go to a quiet yeah. spot to, you know, to have their smoke and will quite ironically describe them as, you know, coffin nails or, or whatever, knowing that they're doing themselves harm. But I, I guess I, I do wonder in, you know, in family or friend situations, you know, at, at a barbecue or something like that, you know, are there still situations where we're coming across a situation where someone wants to smoke at, at a family or friends event like that? And you think, oh, you know, my, my kids are here or, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of hard to know how to deal with that in a, in a polite way sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, look, I agree. And look, before I read your article, I I didn't realise that that it could actually cause a baby's death in such mm, a short time, mm. like that secondhand smoke. I didn't I didn't realise quite how dangerous it could be. And and just when you mentioned that about you know the, the sort of the pariahs of society and and sort of feeling bad already, mm. that's what Bronwyn said. You know that it's a real pity because she said a lot of the smokers in Australia grew up in that time, like they became addicts during that time when when advertising was mm. prolific um, and when, everyone when everybody was pretty sm- pretty much smoked yeah. and so then they got addicted to that and that just became a, a real problem and from then on yeah like you said they've they've sort of become victims of that very much so and and so then we sort of all blame them for being addicted to smoking but it was at a time when sort of pretty much everyone smoked and it's very hard to quit smoking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm told. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think I remember also uh, reading uh, Bronwyn King saying that it's very easy to, you know, have a, a big fundraiser for, you know, breast cancer or, yeah. you know, prostate yeah. cancer or, or something like that. And it's pink ribbons and celebration and everyone dressing up and, you know, remembering those people close to them who've died. But when it comes to lung cancer, it's sort of this, you know, secret shame. You know, no, no one's running big fundraising efforts for the, um, for the victims of, of lung cancer. I know. And then often their family members are, are angry at them too because mm-hmm. I guess it's seen as something that, well, you know, if you'd just been able to quit. Yeah, you, you, you brought it on yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah that sort of thing. But, but that's, it's, it's a real shame because... I mean, Bronwyn King's sort of going after the big tobacco companies, and I, I do think that they're they're very much responsible. They really are mm, for this, mm. especially when you read something like the Philip Morris Files to see exactly what lengths they're going to to keep their product out there. It's, it's yes, incredible. Absolutely, certainly, yeah. And, and we would would encourage our readers to you know jump on Google and um, and check that out. Reuters has produced uh, the Philip Morris Files, a, a series of articles that. Yeah, is quite sobering. Yeah, quite quite interesting. But I, I guess in terms of the you know the practicalities for us, I think Bronwyn King has really led the way, and that's to say, well, look, all of us who are, who are wage earners have to put in Australia have to put a compulsory what is it nine point five percent 
super yep. via our employer into a superannuation fund. That yep. money is invested on our behalf. It's our money. We will, you know, then get it, you know, when we retire, we'll get, we'll get that money back. Hopefully it would have grown in that time and will allow us to, you know, have a, a prosperous and, and comfortable retirement. But if that money has grown, you know, at the expense of people's health by investing in big tobacco, that's that's sort of, well, is blood money a too strong a, a word to use? And Yeah, I really don't think so. I think that's a really good, yeah, no, it, it's, it's so true. We, we really do. We really do have a responsibility and that's one way we can, we can certainly help. And I'll just let readers know here, it's in the article that, that The Science is publishing, but mm-hmm. um, Australian Super is tobacco-free, mm-hmm. Health Super is tobacco-free, OP Trust well, that's a large Canadian pension fund, but mm-hmm. they've dropped tobacco as well. Yep. Obviously, our health super is tobacco-free. Yep. So what readers could even do is get on the um, tobacco-free portfolios website and they can actually find out all the superannuation funds in Australia that are tobacco-free now. Okay. And, and, if they're, and if they're in one that does still invest in tobacco, they could either write to their um, portfolio managers, write to the CEO of that company, or they can possibly look at swapping superannuation funds and, and support one that's tobacco-free. Yeah, well, I think that's fair enough, Sue, because, you know, let's, let's face it, how many of us, you know, got our first job at, at, you know, 16 or 18 or 19 or whatever, and, yeah. and we were with an employer who just said, this is our, you know, default super fund, and, oh, we, exactly, you know, yeah. and it just went, you know, it was, it was set and forget, and then, you know, you might have moved to another job and got a second default super fund and a third so. <laughs> So I think all of us know that what we should be doing is, you know, getting all that super from all those different locations. I think there's a, a website, um, findmysuper.com.au you know, or, or mm. something, um, where you can find all your lost super and roll it into, <laughs> into one super account. So that, that's probably worth doing just for your own finances. But while you're at it, why not roll it into, you know, a super account? account where your money is being used responsibly, where it's being used ethically. And tobacco is certainly one issue to consider. Um, and I know there are a number of super companies have, you know, ethical investment options. There are a number of super companies that focus exclusively on ethical super and ethical investing. So yeah, the, the options are out there. Thank goodness. It's just a matter of, um, getting some of that boring paperwork out and, uh, making a few phone calls and filling out a few forms and, um, yeah, and getting it sorted. Yeah, exactly, and that's a that's a, that's a huge thing that that you can do. You know that that really does make a difference because, like Bronwyn King said, she's one woman and she's she's got more people on board now. But she just started this and she just wasn't going to let up. And she says, you know, each individual person, if if that's all we do, if that's all we do, move our money to a superannuation fund, fund that doesn't invest in tobacco. If yeah. that's all we do that's still a huge thing that everybody can do, every yeah. single person can do. Money talks, yeah. as they say. Well, it certainly does. It, it sure does, yeah. So. <laughs> yep. And, you, and you've been talking to us too, and we really appreciate it, Suvi Mahonen. Thanks, oh, thanks so much thank for your time you. today and, and for your article. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Kent. It's really always a pleasure to speak to you, and, yeah, all the best. <laughs> Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.